Before we begin, please know that this podcast is intended for mature audiences. I am not a doctor or a therapist, and nothing I say should take the place of a relationship with a qualified medical or mental health professional. Take care. Hello, and welcome to Resting Scared, the podcast where I talk about health and mental health and health anxiety. How's it going? Um, I feel like I should say thank you for letting me take the week off last week. Um, To be honest, it feels like that was so long ago because so much has happened in the last week, but um, yeah, it was only a week ago. And I had every intention of recording that day. Um, I had it all planned out, but then I got really invested in working on my garden. And before I knew it, hours had gone by and I just decided to go with the spirit of rest, I guess. And I am not a person who gardens, by the way, Um, but I've decided I would like to be. And so are these, there are these raised beds in my backyard that were there when we moved in. And last summer, we kind of just let them grow out to see what all was there. And this year, I really want to, like, actually have a garden. So yeah, I'm trying to do some, like, little vegetables, maybe some, like, peppers and some other stuff, peas, um, and also some flowers and herbs, um, so yeah, TBD, all I've really done so far is make it so that things can be planted when the weather is right, um, and that took, yeah, that took hours, so, (laughs) um, and I planted a couple things, I got kind of, like, overly excited and overly eager, and, did plant a couple things that are supposed to be, you know, tolerant of some frost, just in case. Anyway, welcome to my gardening podcast. Here we are. Just kidding. I have fully no clue what I'm doing there, but I'm excited to see how it goes. try out a new little segment here and we're just gonna see (laughs) see if we like it or not um so the idea is to look at what day it is you know the day that the episode is released on and find a significant event in terms of medical or like mental health history um Or honestly, just like whatever pops out to me, if it's not, you know, if there's not something that matches those things, um, you know, that corresponds with the date. And hopefully in the future, it'll be less clunky um, because I won't have to be explaining it. But, you know, who knows? It it could be. It could still be clunky because it's it's me. That's kind of how I roll. Um, So... Today is February 28th, 
And on this day in 1792, Carl Ernst von Bayer. Okay, sorry. I'm just gonna say that if I destroy some pronunciations, I'm sorry in advance. Um, but 1792, here we are. Carl Ernst von Bayer, a Russian embryologist, was born. Um, he is said to be the first person who discovered the mammalian ovum and established the comparative science of embryology. Um, and if you can't guess, embryology is the study of the formation and development of the embryo. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Translated to the Development of Animals. Uh, from what I've gathered... Okay, so I think this part's interesting. He published a book the same year as Charles Darwin published The Origin of Species. So 1859, they both published these books. Now, one source tells me that they arrived at their conclusions about like species development or whatever um, completely independently of each other um, and because our boy Carl Ernst von Baer didn't believe in evolution um, he kind of took issues with Darwin um, and from what I was able to like gather from a slew of sciencey words um, their differences and what they believe basically like comes down to vertebrae and how von Baer believes that we all originated from different species as opposed to like one or a few like Darwin does. However, another thing I read said that Darwin actually used some of von Baer's work to inform the origin of species which he was super not cool with because, again, as I said, he didn't believe in evolution. So, I don't know. I have no idea um, what exactly the truth is there um, or what's not, but either way, it seems like there was some animosity between the two of them. And, you know, I love the idea of some 19th century beef. And, you know, I suppose it's possible that it's not true at all. And I'm totally just starting rumors of conflict, but I don't think so. Because a few things have basically alluded to this. Anyway, so <laughs> that's that. There you have it. Embryology. So today I want to talk about a topic that is super common, uh, but definitely one of those things that people feel embarrassed talking about, um, which is like basically everything on this podcast, I'm realizing. Um, but, you know, that's, that's why we're here. Um, so the topic is tummy problems, gut issues, aka sour belly, bad bell, GI woes, etc. Um, unfortunately, stomach problems are kind of just a part of life for almost everyone at some point, right? But of course, then you have 
the extra special people who have chronic issues. Um, so actually both of my parents and one of my sisters have uh, chronic stomach issues. Um, so yeah, no brag, but kind of runs in the family. Um, and I don't really know when this started for me, but it it is a thing from like as far back as I can remember. I've had a really sensitive stomach. When I was a kid, they were convinced I was lactose intolerant because um, I didn't like things like uh, ice cream and pizza and cheese, just didn't like dairy at all. Um, and it made me nauseous but I wasn't lactose intolerant because I would end up eating dairy and I was fine. Like it would be in something or like I, like I wouldn't know I was eating it or whatever and it was okay. Um, and honestly, like everything made me nauseous as a kid, kind of like as an adult. Um, and it definitely got worse as I got older, like at least in the types of stomach problems I would be having would be worse. Um, and I had times in like middle school and high school when it would almost be like I had a recurrent stomach flu um, because certainly there had to be something like a virus or something that causes it because it would be like a bout of it. Like it would be like a few days of like a really bad, you know, really bad symptoms and then I'd be okay. Um, and we thought it was food poisoning, and I'm sure it actually was food poisoning, you know, at some point. But, you know, you generally don't get just recurring food poisoning. Um, so it wasn't until I was much older, like, you know, I think in the last, like, five years or so, that I realized that my stomach problems are and have always probably been directly tied to... Can you guess? It's gonna it's gonna blow your mind. You're never gonna guess what it is. It's stress. The answer is stress. The answer to every single problem for my entire life for forever is stress. <laughs> Just kidding, sort of. Um but I feel like I should back up because I don't want anyone to think that because your gut issues might be tied to stress, that this is like necessarily the only reason because um, there could be an underlying thing happening and stress is just making it worse um, so yeah it's important to like you know listen to your body but not too hard and you know just try to find out what's going on I've had all sorts of cute little tests done um, that have come up empty and they eventually kind of just landed on IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, which is a super cute name. Um, it's kind of like a diagnosis when you don't know what else it is. I mean, I that it is a thing, like it's its own thing, but it's, I feel like, I think that's, there's a term for that. Um, it's like a... You have to eliminate all the things before you can get to IBS because there's no test for IBS, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and that's not to take away from just, you know, how shitty it can be, literally. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Bye.
are you feeling, by the way? Uh, my gross jokes aside, I want to do a check-in before continuing on this cringy topic. Um, are you tense? If so, where do you feel it? Do me a favor and see if you can release some of it. If only for a few moments and you can go back to being tense if you, if you have to. So I don't know how many people know this, but a lot of people who have interstitial cystitis, which we of course have talked about a lot, um, also have IBS. And it really makes sense to me when you think about it. Uh, inflammation of your bladder, inflammation of your gut, I see for me is caused by muscle tension that leads to weakness and therefore inflammation. Um, and IBS is caused by general stress and anxiety. I mean, there is more to it than that, but that's the things that set it off anyway. Um, and for many people with IBS, following a low FODMAP diet, which is, I think that's how you pronounce it, by the way, I think it's gotta be, um, but for a lot of people who have IBS, following a low FODMAP diet, which is an elimination diet, is really helpful, just like for the IC diet. And I'm not going to go into detail about what a low FODMAP diet is because there are truly so many resources about it all over the internet. Um, just, it's everywhere. So if you want it, you can find it. But slash and for better or worse, it just hasn't worked for me. I would actually like to do a quick pivot here to talk about um, any sort of diet, but particularly elimination diets to treat certain conditions. Um, now, I fully understand and respect that these different types of diets have worked wonders for some people. I know that people stand by them 100%. However, here, <laughs> You will never catch me recommending a diet on this podcast because it is my belief and experience that they can often do more harm than good. And as someone who has struggled with disordered eating for like my entire life, um, any sort of diet um, even, and maybe like, especially for the sake of treating something, um, causes me so much food anxiety and stress that it just, the cons outweigh the pros. It's not worth it to me. And of course this is not, I'm not talking about, um, not talking about food allergies here. I'm not talking about, you know, not suggesting that somebody who is, you know, allergic to gluten, go out and eat gluten. I'm just saying, um, yes, for the sake of elimination diets. Um, when I fully gave up any kind of dieting a few years ago, my relationship with food got so much healthier and 
just so much better and I'm no longer afraid of food and I used to be for like a very long time um but I you know I support people eating whatever they want at any given time um and bodies are smart even chronically ill bodies okay enough on that So what does work for me to treat my chronic gut issues slash IBS? Um, well, it's several things, of course. Um, and the hardest thing and probably the most important thing is treating my anxiety and stress. And one of the ways I've learned to do this is by learning more about the gut-brain connection. Um, so when you're somebody who's already pretty high-strung, um, just relaxing, quote-unquote, isn't going to be enough to heal your gut or, you know, your chronic stress, I'm sure. Um, so I started doing hypnotherapy, uh, specifically self-hypnosis. Um, that focuses on the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that runs from like, your brainstem all the way down to your abdomen and controls the par parasympathetic yes, nervous system of your heart and lungs and digestive system. And parasympathetic basically just means like the things that they do that aren't conscious. Um, so in hypnotherapy, um, which by the way, I do on it on an app called Nerva. Um, it's basically guided medica meditation um, that uses like strong metaphors to calm your nervous system and change your associations with your gut problems. I don't really know how else to describe it, but it, yeah, it basically tries to like make your associations more positive. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's really amazing. Um, it does cost money. It's not a free app, but when you consider the fact that it, it really is way cheaper than like non-self-guided hypnotherapy um and it is like specifically designed for stomach problems i think it's worth it um and i've also just used like regular old meditation apps or videos on youtube that are like designed to calm the vagus nerve so i think it's definitely something worth looking into if you're someone who knows that you're issues are directly related to stress. Um, and I actually use the, the gut hypnotherapy for other things as well. Like sometimes if I'm having a really bad skin flare, um, I will put on one of those. And it's just some of the like repetitive um, sentences and like metaphors like I said um it I think it helps like I'm I don't know and like you know it's one of those things where it's like is it placebo or doesn't work and I'm like either way it's working 
if that makes sense. Um, and also, let me be very clear that I also use medication when needed. Um, I have an antispasmatic and nausea medication that I keep on hand because realistically I do not have time to do a hypnotherapy session every time I get the gurgles or start feeling sick. To be honest, I have some sort of GI issue like every single day. Um, that's, yeah. And usually at this point in my life and in my journey to use that annoying word, um, I don't actually have to take med medication, but sometimes I do. Um, and usually when it's that bad, it means that I have to like take it for a couple days in a row. Um, so yeah, there is truly no shame in the medication game. Um, the hypnotherapy and just also having a diagnosis has really helped me so that when I do have a flare-up, like an IBS flare-up, I am less quick to panic um, because that cycle is really part of it too. Like it becomes a chicken or the egg type situation where you're like, what am I, you know, am I panicking because of my stomach or is my stomach freaking out because I'm panicking? And at some point, like the, the lines get real. Yeah, it just, it gets really blurry on what is actually happening there. But I do feel like with the tools I have now, I am a lot less likely to get caught up in that cycle. Um, and when I have a flare up, I just know now that I'm going to flare down. And I've gotten to the point where I actually trust that that is true instead of just telling myself that it's true. Um, and that is so nice. So that's pretty much all I have to say today about IBS. Um, I want to give a honorable mention, shout out, whatever, to um, this Instagram profile called at my IBS life. Um, I believe her name is Christine, uh, the content creator, and she has so many hilarious memes and videos um, about <laughs> having stomach issues, and they are really like such a joy. They make me laugh constantly. Um, so yeah, definitely check her out if you need some levity because honestly like it can be so depressing and you know I really think that having a having a laugh can be really important when it comes to that um I also wanted to take a moment to celebrate the fact that this is my 10th episode of resting scared and when I finally decided to actually do this um, in December, I really did not expect to get here. Um, like I wanted to, but I, you know, didn't really expect to and definitely not this fast. Um, 
and I thought I would maybe put out like one or two episodes and realize that no one cares and be done and just try to forget that this ever happened. Um, but then in January, I made myself commit to put out at least 10 episodes by the end of the year. So by the end of 2023. So granted, that was like maybe too easy of a goal, but I really didn't know how this was going to go or how I was going to feel about it. Um, and so much of why I have gotten to my goal this early is because of you and your support and your nice words and your listens. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you for, you know, just kind of being around for these growing pains. Um, I want to just kind of see what all there is to explore here and I'm so excited to keep going and you know I really hope you'll stick around for the ride um yeah I think that's it I love you don't forget to find some lightness talk soon and take care